Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of The Bridge Podcast. Thanks so much for joining us and tuning in again. We know there hasn't been an episode for a couple of weeks due to the craziness of the pandemic again. Um, but here we are, and I'm delighted this week that I'm joined by Samson Chanda. Hi, Samson. Hi, Ian. It's great to see you. Yeah, it's great to see you. Thank you so much for giving up your time and for coming in and chatting to us. It's a pleasure. Pleasure. <laughs> so we want to assure you, as we've just been chatting, that we love you, we miss you, and oh. we pray for you and your family regularly. Um, and I'm really looking forward to getting into your story and sharing with us but we'll start off with our normal question it's probably a little bit boring now but we've asked it to everyone <laughs> what's lockdown been like for you and your family how's that gone both personally and also professionally oh wow lockdown yeah it's, it's, it's our been favorite a, word <laughs> yeah it's, it's it's been very strange because it's never happened and um for me personally it's provided for me to focus on some things that I neglected previously and um, I've been forced to look at some things again and just uh, yep, get those sorted but also as a family because uh, our children one of them was in Leicester studying so she had to come back and so we are back as a family okay. and it has given us some opportunity to, to spend some time together and pray together especially uh, in some evenings not every day, but yeah. just some evenings. So it's been uh, interesting. It's been challenging. But ministry-wise, it's, it's actually forced us to think uh, a bit more and be a bit more innovative on how mm. we do ministry. Yeah, yeah. And what about professionally? Tell us a little bit about your job and oh, yes. how uh, that works out. Yeah, I work as a pharmacist. I, I, I work in a chemist. And so... Oh, it's been busy. <laughs> it's been quite busy, to be honest. And um, uh, for some reason, the, there's quite there's been an influx of people with, uh, uh, you know, antidepressant medications. Yeah. That's what I've observed personally. Yeah. There's been an increase in the number of people taking antidepressants. So whether it's a reflection of the situation, the lockdown or not, I'm not sure. But that's it's been crazy busy. Uh, so many yeah, so many uh, prescriptions to process, but at the same time, it's been manageable. We've had we've had a couple of colleagues who were down with COVID yeah. in our department, but uh, uh, you know, uh, but they have recovered and they've come back, and I've, and uh, I personally haven't had any symptoms. So thank the Lord for yeah, that. Yeah, praise <laughs> the Lord. Yeah, because yeah. And if you have any of your family had. Coronavirus? No, 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 we haven't had any. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, quite a few people who are listening will know who you are. Uh, Hopefully. (laughs) (laughs) Well, your your family will if they're listening, (laughs) (laughs) which we hope they will. Um, You were at Bridge for quite a while. Yes. Um, So, might be an idea to tell us how you came to be at Bridge. Yeah. How long you were here, yeah. and how is it now that you're not here? And then yeah. you can go on to talking about what it is yeah. that you're doing. All right. Um, yeah, I think in 2008, that's when uh, that's the first time I met Bill. Okay. And uh, we came to England in 2004 as a family, 
And um, before that, I had a missionary friend who knew about Bridge Chapel and knew about uh, the revivals. And so uh, when I came to Liverpool, I was looking forward to trying and meeting him. And it took four years (laughs) (laughs) to track him down. (laughs) To try and meet him. But, uh, and the way we met, it was very strange, uh, you know, because okay. um, we were trying to put, we had registered a small church and we were trying to help people uh, when we came. And one of the people we were attending was having a wedding and it was organized uh, by his friends and other people. And um, it was held at Bridge Chapel. And uh, so he invited me to come along to the to the church service, I mean, to the wedding. Um, service. So we had a reception uh, in one of the one of the rooms here at Bridge Chapel, and uh, I happened to sit opposite Bill, and I didn't know who he was. And so, and I've been looking for him for four years. You can imagine <laughs> yeah, that. Uh, and now you're sitting opposite him. <laughs> yeah. But you don't know it. Uh, yeah. <laughs> And so the guy who was getting, uh, who, who was waiting, you know, the the, the bride, groom, uh, said, "Oh, Samson, you have been talking about Bill. This is Bill. You're no s- sitting <laughs> opposite, and and oh, Bill, this is Samson, uh, friend of mine." And so we got to chat, and I explained how what we we were doing, and Bill got um, to ask a few questions, and we met again. And so that's how I knew I came to know where Bridge Chapel was and where B was, and and he introduced me to the church. And so that's how I came to know uh, Bridge Chapel. But it took two years. Before, uh, I think two thousand and ten. That's when I came to Bridge Chapel as an as like an attend in the church. Yes, uh, but before that, actually, what happened was Bill invited us to use the bungalow. Yeah. To uh, to try and disciple people. And he provided all that we needed. He provided a bus for us to pick up people all around the city. Sunday afternoon. Sunday afternoon, yeah. Yeah, yeah. We used to meet there Sunday afternoon. And uh, we would pick up people from across the city who wanted to come and, you know, be discipled. And uh, the generosity that uh, that uh, Bridge Chapel showed to me and my family was just outstanding. And... Uh, to be honest with you, when we came to Liverpool, it was hard to find Christians. It was difficult to meet Christians. Uh, we were used to seeing Christians everywhere in Africa, in Zambia, where I come from. And um, coming here, they, people don't, their faith is so private right. that uh, you can't see it in public. And so that was quite a challenge and a, a, like, shock. Oh, a shock to me. And but when I met Bill, and and I thought to myself, this is a Christian man. Besides being a uh, a pastor, I think this is a Christian man, and I was so glad to meet him. And so yeah, that's how I came to know Bridge yeah. Chapel, and that's uh, I eventually started to attend Bridge Chapel, and my family started to attend as well. And so yeah, yeah, and then so you were here for quite a few years. Absolutely. Yes, yes, until 2018. Yeah. Yep. So what happened then? 2018, two years prior to that, a church in uh, uh, central Liverpool, Dovecot, they invited me to go and preach uh, uh, since I was um, 
you know, I was interested in sharing the word of God as usual, but uh, just to preach, I didn't know they were assessing and trying to <laughs> to see whether we, we can make use of this man, right. you know. And so I, I preached again there, and eventually they approached me and said, uh, would you like to pray uh, for us? Pray for us. We need another elder to come and join us. So we were praying. My my wife and myself would pray, Rachel and myself. And so eventually they just made up their mind to come and approach the elders at Bridge Chapel uh, if the if the church could release me. But then I was full member at Bridge Chapel. I was leading a small group and we were we had about eighteen people attending in a small group in our house uh, for Bridge Chapel. Um, and so yeah, they approached their orders and um, and and your family's like involved in in the church, isn't it? Your kids are involved in the in the youth ministry, either mm-hmm. as attenders or as volunteers helping. Yes, absolutely. At Bree Chapel, mm. yes, yeah. the children were involved in the youth, the you know Friday meetings, yeah. involved in uh, in a lot of things. So I'm just what I'm saying is, so that when that question comes, it's a it's a big. It's a big decision, big decision to make. It? It, was, it was not taken lightly. Even after we had made the decision to go to, mm. to attend Dovecot afterwards, the children found found it hard yeah. to move because all their friends were here. Yeah, yeah. All their friends were at Bridge Chapel. And how, and how did you make the decision? So I think it might be interesting. We, we've spoken a couple of times with different people on the podcast about not trying to know what God's will is for your mm. life um, mm. and how sometimes, you know, Providence comes into play and you don't see until maybe you're looking back and you go, oh, wow, you know, this, this and this. I think I remember um, it may have been Christoph or Sarah Power that one of their stories was kind of, it was only looking back that they could see the way events had worked. So I'm interested uh, in in your case for, it's kind of quite clear cut in the sense that here's a decision you have to make. Yeah. Um, So, how did you go about coming to a point where you went, yeah, we'll go? Yeah, but it's very interesting because uh, you can't really point out. Uh, uh, I mean, I was not 100% convinced this is what I'm supposed to do, right. but perhaps I was about maybe 75%. This could be what the Lord wants me to do. Okay. And then uh, there's peace of mind and peace uh, in our heart. What I usually consider when I'm making a big decision is uh, uh, I I look at the, the the circumstances. How do they line up? You know, even though the circumstances are not perfect, mm. but is there enough uh, enough evidence for you to work with? Because I don't wait for hundred percent circumstantial yeah, yeah, uh, evidence yeah. for me to make a move. Is there just enough 
enough information, enough uh, rationale, enough reason to move. Uh, then I make a decision on the basis of that. And of course, uh, consult with people, spiritual, spiritually wise, godly men, and uh, I can talk through that and uh, just consult them and then make a decision after that. So I had to talk to m some of my friends who are much older than me, uh, wiser than me, and uh, godly, and who knew the circumstances uh, in both situations, as for their opinion, you know. And then uh, I had to also talk to talk to well, a couple of the elders here at Bridge Chapel and find out what they thought about it. And so I, I use all those uh, opinions and comments and observations that people, uh, you know, uh, provided then make a decision from there. So it's not a clear-cut kind of just because there is an opening, you have to enter now. Mm. And um, so there's a there's a balance there, isn't there, with what you know mm -hmm. and what you can find out, and an amount of faith, an amount of almost pushing the door, yeah. almost. So yeah. it's interesting, yeah. like you say, you don't wait to be a hundred percent. Yeah, you know, based on circumstances, you. You know, yeah. you you look at the. I think that's helpful. You look at the circumstances and then you make a decision. Yeah, and that's where your kind of trust, yeah, in God's will comes in. That's right, that's right. Because uh, I think that um, the Lord guides me personally mm. uh, through circumstantial evidence, uh, and if if um, and if somebody prompts, and I feel no resistance in my heart and I see it's an opportunity to glorify God mm -hmm. and honor him and I know that uh, situations are not permanent even if we get involved in a situation or a ministry it doesn't mean we have to be there forever mm -hmm. you know so we can serve the Lord as long as he provides the grace he provides the uh, the resources he provides the connections the relationships especially uh, we can continue to serve the Lord. And then we watch for the time when he says, okay, you can continue or change move the on. gears or move on or yeah. something like that. Yeah. So So what was that like? Talk us through. So you, you have all these discussions and you say, yes, we'll, we'll come and join you. Yeah. What happens next? What happened was, uh, yeah, uh, the... Uh, I think the elders, yeah, the elders from Dockcourt came over to Bridge and talked to the elders, and we prayed together. Yeah, we prayed together, and there was a sense of, yeah, this could be what the Lord wants to do, so we go with a blessing. One thing I wanted to to make sure is, uh, is in place is the fact that uh, I can still feel Bridge Chapel is still home, even if I live. Yeah such that I could come back and still be comfortable. You know, I'm, I'm there, even if I'm not doing anything. Yeah. And yet, and so in a way, it feels like having been sent out to go and help in another place. Mm -hmm. For how long? I don't know. Uh, but as long as there is a need, as long as... So my, my perspective is the importance of relationship when you leave a place and where, where you are going. 
yeah, that I think to me is very important because after all, <laughs> <we'll be laughs> after all, uh, when all these things have been said and done, we'll still be together as a body of Christ in heaven. Amen. So when somebody leaves a place, doesn't mean they have left you. They've they've just gone to a minister in and out. Absolutely. Yeah. That's the way. That's the way I look at things. Anyway, yeah, it's just like when I go back to Africa, I feel very comfortable with anybody I've ministered with before. Yeah. Such that there is nothing in between us to hinder any ministry together or doing things together. It's like a family back again, but again, free to go again and do other things. So, uh, yeah, that to me is very important. Yeah, that's good. So what, what is life like at Dovecot? Do you want to tell us a little Ooh. bit about fellowship there, about yeah. the way things work, yeah, that kind of thing, what your role is specifically, oh, how yeah. it integrates with their setup? That would be good. Yeah, I was. Uh, they invited me to go and be a teaching elder, one of the teaching elders. We have four of them, four teaching elders. And basically... Uh, this situation was a bit different from what it is here at Bridge. Yeah. Uh, we had m a lot of seniors in the congregation and and basically now younger people, like young adults, mm -hmm. and there were maybe one or two or three young adults. And there was a small, uh, there was a small, uh, you know, uh, uh, Sunday school. Uh, with uh, youths who, uh, who were almost outgrowing Sunday school. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but uh, the, the elders needed help on how to transition those youths who had outgrown, you know, Sunday school into, uh, you know... Bring them into the... The main service. So there's four teaching elders. Yeah. Are there any other elders? No. So there's just four elders who share the teaching between them. Is that right? Yes, that's right. That's right. And then we got uh, we got deacons who assist the elders yeah. in practical things. Yeah, that's the way it is. And uh, so that's the situation we found. Uh, there were no youth meetings. Uh, they had a Bible study on Tuesdays and two services on Sundays. Uh, approximately 45 45, 50 people in the morning meeting, uh, Sunday service, and in the, the evening, slightly less. And so we joined in and we looked and we thought, hmm, that's good. That's interesting opportunity to make a difference. Uh, we didn't see the problem. We saw an opportunity to make a difference yeah. because where there is, uh, there is need, then you know clearly what, uh, what you can do in order to meet the need and make a difference. So for us, it was a good opportunity. Um, and so what we did was... Um, was that daunting? We, or were you, like, looking forward to the challenge? Um, a bit of both. Oh, yeah. I, was, I think it was more of uh, looking forward to the challenge and being able to use the gifts and uh, the training that I've had in the past and just... Uh, like I said, for me, relationship is important. So the first thing was not to rush in and do A, B, C, D. Yeah, yeah. Which could have been tempting to say, very, we need to do this, we need to do this, we yeah, need to do this. Yeah, and there's loads of things that you can see, especially having come from Bridge Chapel and from Africa, from other places, had 
ideas that I could easily have said, oh, um, okay, now let's do this and yeah. let's do that. I said, no. For me, it's to develop relationship first. Get to know the people. Get to know the elders in person. Mm. Not just as elders yeah. uh, title, but as a person. Like, uh, you know, who is Ian? How is he at home? How can I relate to him so that... Because relationship forms the basis for ministry. Uh, that's what I think. So our priority was to get to know the people, especially the air leaders. Get to know what they think, their, their, their limitations or their ideas or their vision. What do they want today? And so even when we begin to introduce certain things, you take in consideration of what people's expectations are and then you see how you can uh, navigate that, maneuver that. And so that was the priority, get to know the people, the elders, and then get to know the congregation. Yeah. Uh, we, so we, de we decided that I should lead, as, a, as eldership, we decided that I should lead uh, visitation, hospitality, pastoral uh, kind of ministry. Uh, yeah. It wasn't there. There was people used to visit each other, but not organized. It was not organized. So we decided that's the first priority. So by consolidating that, then we get to meet people, visit people, get to know people. And we just... But also build a relationship. Absolutely. By the time you come and teach, you know where people are and can resonate with what you are telling them or what you're preaching. And... Actually, it forms, it helps, that's what I've discovered. It helps you to um, form the, the, if you will, the, uh, the, the thrust of your ministry or the thrust of your teaching. So it's not just a theological, you, you just organize a theological teaching because somebody else has taught about it and then just throw it on at people. But it is something that you have learned, something that you have developed, but something that relates to where people are. And so you capture their attention, you capture their, um, their, their, their desire to grow with you. an opportunity to get to know people, it provide material uh, for ministry. And so that was the priority visitation. And then we looked at the need for the youth who needed to be transitioned into mm. mainstream. What should we do with them? Uh, Rachel, uh, we, we discussed with Rachel and, and most of the youths uh, were girls. So I said, Rachel, you come in here. <laughs> you 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 play the main role here. And so we connected with the youth. We decided let's set up a meeting for them on Friday. And they were enthusiastic. And from there, Rachel started to teach them how to sing, you know, and so that we, they can 
come and sing in the men's service so that they had something to do in the men's service. And at, at the same time, I was working with the elders to tone down the language of the, men, of the preaching and teaching because it had to relate to the younger people. So we discussed that and we started to see how we can, um, how we can uh, make it easy for people to understand the teachings that were coming up because they were teaching to elderly people Older people, the language was very theological, justification, sanctification. I mean, so we worked on how to simplify those those terms so that the young people would understand. And they're now comfortable. Yeah, and we have had five, six young people who have transitioned into the men's service. Yeah, I think one one Friday came over there. They brought a group over. Yes. Going on a Friday. Was yes, that was really good, yeah. But this is quite a lot has gone on in a, a short There's period a of time, isn't it? There's a lot. Which is kind of making me laugh because at one at one level you're talking about kind of taking it easy, like not not slow but a considered mm. approach yeah. of what you're going to do. Yes. But at the same time, that considered approach is not slow. Yeah. It's you you're still seeing the areas and then meeting the need. Yeah. So. 2018. It's very interesting what has been accomplished. It's been a, it's been a significant change, hasn't it? In a lot. Time. A lot has changed. We can, you can take out like 2020, can't you? Really? Yeah. Oh. But from yeah. March onwards, so from 18 to the end of 19, it's only been 12. Yeah, that 18 was 18 months, isn't it? Yeah, that was because we went in June, uh, June uh, 2018. So June. 2019 that's one year mm. and then one year six months yeah mm. yeah 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 so 18 months within 18 months the lord helped us to uh, uh to do things that have been helpful to the congregation so we visitation was good we visited most of their homes first of all we started with members mm. and then uh, we extended it to regular attenders mm. in order to integrate them to make them feel to have a sense of belonging, yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, and so we visited those as well. And by the end of 2019, we had visited all of them. And I was not the only one doing it, so we made up a program so that other elders are involved in pastoral visitation as well. And did those guys work in their own professions like you? Yep, uh, the three elders. One of them is still working as a lecturer at the University of Liverpool, yeah. the professor there. And the other two have retired. Right. So at least they had a bit of time on their hands to visit. Which, yeah, which so is So you good. got one, one guy's working full-time. Yeah. Two retirees. Yes. And you yourself Themself working part-time. Part-time, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, yeah. go on. So you'd done all the visitation. You'd <laughs> looked at the youth work. You'd started to integrate. Yep, the youth started. Into the service. Absolutely. The youth started to attend every Friday. They were excited. Just give them games and just let them run around. <laughs> at, the end of the, at the end of the night, give them a 10-minute talk. What a difference it made. What a difference it made. So we saw that they were well taught in the Sunday school, actually. Yeah. But they had not taken the step to, pay, to a personal commitment, personal faith in Christ. So what we decided was, let's go take them out, you know, to Clandotno, you know, in, in Wales. 
So one weekend, was it a weekend? No, it was from Monday to Wednesday. And we isolated them, took them there. By then, there was a group of 18 attending. Uh, on the Friday. On a Friday, including some of the workers, uh, three or four workers. And so we went to Wales, and then uh, again, we just threw them into games. This, did, during the day, they would run around, visit places, and then in the evening, we sit down, put them in small groups, and then teach them the word of God and to find out where they were as far as faith is concerned. And then amazingly, we discovered all they needed was a prompting to say, you guys, you need personal commitment, personal faith into Christ. Okay, so do we need that? Yeah, you do. You know, you need to express your faith that you want to, you trust in the Lord Jesus Christ as your personal savior and you're relying on him for salvation of your souls. It's not enough to just know that he was, he died for all of us. Yes, and he, story. he is our salvation. He is our savior, all of us. No, is he your personal savior? And so I think five of them, five of them, five or six of them, sincerely committed their life to the Lord. And up to now, they, and then we took them through the Christianity Explored. Yep. We adapted, you know, the adult uh, Christianity Explored, yep. Yep. we toned it down yep. to tailor it to the younger uh, the youth, and we decided to take them through that. Yep. But they didn't finish. Uh, we're still working on it because of the COVID and stuff yeah, like yeah. that. It's really challenging. But the good thing is that after that, uh, outing in Wales, uh, we could see the commitment of these young people to prayer, Bible study, and uh, we deliberately started to ask them to do things on Fridays, especially and responsibility. Prayer. Yes, and they have grown. They've grown. Two of them were recently baptized. Wow. You know, after after the lockdown, the first lockdown, yeah. when we reopened in July. We had already started to go through a baptism, uh, believe and baptize that yep, little the, booklet yep, 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 yep. With, with two of them. They, they requested it. They said, we want to be baptized. What are we waiting for? Because we are Christians. Now we know that the next stage is for us to be baptized. So we started to take them through that with Rachel and myself. And by the time the first lockdown was over, they had completed going through those booklets. And so they said, in fact, two of them, yeah, yeah, two of them were going to university. No, one of them was going to university. The other one is going to senior, you know, uh, sc uh, senior secondary. And that is uh, to do A-levels and stuff. Yeah, so in the sixth form. Sixth form, yeah, fifth and sixth form. So they said, uh, before we go to this next stage of our lives, we want to go there having been baptized. We said, this is lockdown. I mean, lockdown is over. So we looked at the regulations in the... In, in the in the uh, the, the regulations uh, that the government has provided, so there was there was a possibility of being baptized uh, before, and so we followed the regulations, and they were recently baptized, and that's a good thing, and yeah, must yeah. have been really encouraged, very encouraged. But I think especially the person who was teaching them in Sunday school for all those years, yes. Yeah. Uh, we the foundation thought, that they laid. Absolutely. I thought to myself, I think instead of uh, us baptizing them, let the person who taught them, he's one of the elders. Yeah. 
and so do the baptism. And did he? Uh, yes, he did. What an um, and they invited family, yeah, friends, and uh, and so on. I think it's easy for us to, you know, my my background is going to Sunday school every week and being taught the Bible faithfully. Later, you know, there's root in salvation. Mm. And I think we can often underestimate the importance of those folks who faithfully week by week teach the truth of the Bible mm. to children and often sadly don't necessarily see that fruit mm. Mm. and that's like that's an illustration true. isn't it yeah, of yeah. That. But, but in that case that person was able to then baptize them and they must have been thrilled absolutely absolutely and that's the other thing the baptisms we have had since we went there uh, yeah that there there was a time when they didn't baptize as many people and in fact, there was no baptism for a long time. And when we went there, we said, uh, people are getting, are believing. So they, the next stage is for them to be baptized. And so we've had uh, quite a few baptisms uh, since we went there. Yeah. And uh, yeah, so that's what we did with the youth. So the youth goes on, and now we're developing leaders who can lead the youth yeah. with an oversight of an elder. And so we're, we're praying that the Lord will provide leaders who will be able to lead the youth. Uh, that's the youth. It's an ongoing work. Yeah. And then we looked at uh, <laughs> opportunities of uh, outreach. Mm -hmm. And the most convenient one which we found was to do Christianity Explored. Because there is a booklet, there is a guide, there's some videos, there's, you can give a talk or just... Uh, watch a video with people and discuss yep and so we said let's start this but how do we start it we took advantage of what we call food for thought at Dovecot there is every three months we used to have food for thought before the lockdown food for thought is that it targets people who are unchurched with uh, we provide food <laughs> physical food people you know yeah, yeah. come and then uh, we we just ask uh, someone to share a topic that is non-religious, yeah. but that causes people to think about their eternal life, their and serious matters. Mm -hmm. And once we we provide that kind of thing, when we are having a meal afterwards, that's when we find out who is interested and who is not. And the, if they are interested, we introduce them to Christianity Explored. We begin to meet them. And since we went, we have had two or three sessions, complete sessions, and we've had um, five or six adults come Amazing. to faith. Amazing. And uh, four of them have been baptized wow. and so forth. So that seems to be uh, an opportunity for us to uh, really make use of, even in the future, mm -hmm. Christianity Explored. When the lockdown came, we thought, oh, that's it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> There's nothing we can do now. But there is. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We we found out, we 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 discovered Zoom. Hey, <laughs> we all love Zoom. <laughs> you know, I'd never I've never used your Zoom before, but we thought we can use this thing. Everyone can use it now. Absolutely. <laughs> so how can we do uh, Christianity Explored on Zoom? And that was my challenge. Yeah. So I worked out on how to do that. And so we, we, I watched the Zoom sessions, Christianity Explored, and like now we have about four, five, no, no, 
How many? <laughs> yeah, about eight people attending. Wow. Zoom Christianity Explored. Uh, it includes two. Um, so we're running it. Uh, it includes two. Um, I run it. Yeah. Uh, Rachel attends. Yeah. And then two other people we are training to do Christianity Explored. So they can afterwards. run it. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That's we have found that that's essential. Yeah. When you're doing something, you always bring somebody along so that they can learn how yeah. to do it and then let them do it with you and then allow them to do it while you're watching and then let them do it without you. Yeah. Discipleship. explored as an outreach, outreach or evangelistic tool, you're at the same time teaching another person on how to run it. That's so you're discipling at the same time reaching out. So we thought that that's a very good thing. So we've already trained a couple, a husband and wife who can do it. We have now, now taken on another husband and wife who, can, who, are, who are learning now yeah. with us, with Rachel and myself. Yeah, we've run it a couple of times mm. uh, in lockdown, yeah. That's good. It's absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. So Thank we've you. had fruit on that one, yeah. discipleship and baptisms as well. Food and it's thought. been very, yeah, and from fruit for thought and Christianity explored and discipleship explored for those who have done. The, the next one along, isn't it? Yes. Yeah. So the new one, that. isn't it now? Life explored, which is oh. like, um, I think it's meant to be before Christ. So it, it's, in a sense, it's, it's kind of like your food for thought, I think. Oh. It's kind of introducing people to some of those bigger questions and ideas. Yeah. And then after that, you would then go into Christianity Explored. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we've oh, all got our good. different models yeah. of discipleship. But yeah, I, I think that's, I think it's called Life Explored, I think. All right. I'll have a look. Check that. If that's not that right, I'll just cut it out of the show. <laughs> 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 if that's a mistake. Yeah, so that's another, that's one too that we've used. Uh, Christianity yeah. Explored for evangelistic means. That's, that's so there's quite a lot going on, hasn't there? Ooh, in quite a lot. 2000, in just a couple of years, well, yeah. I know it's two years, calendar years, but this it's year not. we're writing off. Yeah, yeah. So that's and you know, amazing. Yeah, and uh, when we arrived, and let me just say this, we, they always, we they, they had a website, but it looked tired. Yeah. You know what I mean? So, uh, yeah, definitely. Uh, so we thought, uh, I think uh, some work can be done on that. So we decided to create a new website get rid of an old one, something that would be appealing to uh, younger people as well as the wider audience and that sort of thing. Um, the old website had good content, but it was, you know, unless you attract traffic, people will not use that. So the, f the face uh, actually matters. <laughs> mm. So we decided to create this new website and uh, replace the old one. And we have had traffic visits on the website. Uh, we check every time, uh, at least once a month, the, we have uh, statistics. Yeah. And then we started, we decided to set up the website, the uh, Facebook page, Instagram YouTube. page, and YouTube channel. 
for this uh, have been very helpful in trying to transmit the message. Yeah, yeah. And um, there was some hesitation on, on mm. whether we should set up Facebook, Instagram, and these are wild. Because there's risks involved. Yeah. There are risks, yeah, yeah. but... But, but we've got know. to embrace that. Absolutely. We've got and redeem it and use it for good. 100%. That's what we've done. And we've got material there which people can go back to. Uh, rewatch or whatever. Rewatch and so on and so forth. Very helpful. We've got, now we, we, we see younger people coming in, young adults, some one or two university students, where previously, you know, we didn't have that. So, which is good. So we are thinking now to create the young adults group. Right. You know, the group after the university level yeah, and yeah. just after university, yeah. that group seems to be neglected. In Is it like 20 to 30? Yes, ages? yes. They should have their own group and overseen, of course, by an elder, but they should lead themselves. Those guys, are in, you know, they've got enough skill yeah. to do stuff. So... We're looking towards that. We have not yet set it up yet. Uh, we have not yet set it up, but um, we're looking to see if we can facilitate that. Yeah. Great stuff. Brilliant. It's a real. I'm sure yeah. people who are listening um, will be encouraged mm. um, by what God is doing there and mm. what the change that I've made. And, you know, seeing souls saved. Yeah. After all, is what it's all about, and people Absolutely. built up in their faith. That's, that's incredible. Yeah, I'd like to go back a little bit, if that's okay. That's fine. Um, because you just dropped in before, um, two thousand eight. I think you said. Yeah, you arrived <laughs> from Africa. Wherever. <laughs> so, let's just go back to. Um, we could either go to 2008 and work backwards or we could go like right back to you know when you were where you were born where yeah. you grew up what let's do that so yeah. tell us okay. about where you were born where okay. you grew up what yeah. life was like for you oh, as a youngster yeah. oh wow um maybe how you met Rachel and yeah. and then how you arrived in the UK yeah. well yeah that's uh, that's interesting um born in Zambia uh south central africa uh born in a in a town, not a city, a town, a small town called Chingola, where you find the, um, there used to be the largest open pit mine. Okay. Yeah, in the world. Wow, wow. And so there was quite a lot of investment there from a those who were explorers and a lot of work. And most of the, uh, most of the uh, workers there were working in the mines. My dad was working in the mines. He was... Uh, he was multi-skilled. He was a carpenter. He was a bricklayer. He was a tailor, and uh, and uh, just a general miner. And so, that's where I was born. That's where I grew up. Brothers uh, and sisters. A big family, typical African family of nine. Oh wow! Yeah, I was nine kids or mm, nine altogether. Nine kids. Oh wow! <laughs> now thinking back, I thought, how did she? How did my mom manage to keep all of us? You know, and uh, it's just... Uh, so where are you in the nine? Are you at near the beginning, near the end, in the middle? In, in, I'm in the middle. Okay. <laughs> um, the fifth. Uh, is it sixth or fifth? Now I can... I have to <laughs> 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 yeah. 
Yeah, let me count. I got the first one was the, uh, the man, and then there was Martha, there was um, Agnes, there's uh, Moses, there's Phoebe, and there's myself, Samson. So, sixth, I can yeah. count. And then there's uh, uh, Steve comes after me, and Simon, and then Thomas. Okay, so all biblical names. Yeah, it seems. <laughs> yeah. So, were, were your parents churchgoers? Were they Christians? Yes, they were Christian. They were Christians. My my, my mom and dad were Christians. We would pray. Uh, oh, I wouldn't pray. We wouldn't pray. My mom and dad would pray for us. Yeah, yeah That sure. was clear. We didn't know, I didn't know how to pray. We just... But we knew that, oh, that's prayer when, when mom is there. And was and church so, part of your life? Yeah, it was yeah. on Friday. Uh, on uh, on uh, Sunday, sorry. Uh, it was part of life. But it was just like, yeah, part of life. Not It didn't mean much. It was just something you did. Yeah, it, it was just like culturally accepted to go to church okay. with the parents. And especially that I could see my mom and dad pray at home. But especially my dad. You know, he was very devout, but I didn't understand. But he was, he had this uh, desire to just be with the Bible. Right. You know, whenever he was at home, he was with this book that he had. Yeah. And uh, when he comes from work, especially on Saturdays when he was not in work, he would sit outside because we had a chicken run here. We had some tree, a popo tree, some some banana trees there. So this this is like quite a. a a typical setting for where you're from in Africa, this yes. kind of family setup with outside. Yes, sitting outside, yeah. relaxing, and just having fresh air. Is yeah. the, even if you have a fence round, but at yeah. least you spend some time outside. Yeah, it's Sounds typical. Amazing. Chickens, uh, yeah, trees, banana trees. Yeah, yeah, mango trees, and uh, we had mulberry as well, and and uh, avocado is just oh, around yeah. there, and so. I would, uh, as a young person, maybe around nine, seven, nine, you know, seven, yeah. nine year old, I would see my dad every Saturday. He would be sitting outside reading his Bible all afternoon. Oh. You know, you go play and kick the ball and uh, have a footy outside. You come back. He'd still be there. He'd still be there. Maybe he just walks inside the house and comes back and puts on his glasses. And continues to read. And I discovered it, it was reading the Bible. <laughs> it was really good. Um, very, very... It, I recently um, talked to the great... To the grandchild. My dad's... My, you know, my sister's uh, children. He had continued to do that. Even when we had left uh, Africa, we came to England. He lived with my sister. And our children saw him do that every day now that he was retired so the grandchildren saw him they saw him same the routine. same routine uh now that he was retired he would spend more time now almost every day in the bible and the he she put this uh, grandchild particularly said we don't know how many times he read through the bible you know so many from genesis to revelation genesis to revelation and so that is a very rich heritage for me personally and uh, even when I was growing up, to me, the Bible is not something you shouldn't touch. Something you can touch, but I had, I had never opened. For uh, yourself? No. So were you, for your family, um, 
are you all like quite close in age? So were you all like at school together, or was was like some leaving school and some? Got, I suppose they must have been. Some must yeah. have been leaving. Yeah. As yeah. Some were starting. Yeah. yeah. Some were much older than the rest of us who were younger. Yeah. yeah. And um, they had already gone through primary school by the time we we're starting primary school. Like for instance, when my dad retired. I went to live with my sister, who was already independent. She was working in a yeah. hospital, and and so she, I was like, a, she took care of us as yeah. if she was the mother. Yeah, Henrietta <laughs> was saying when yeah. she came in to do her podcast, she was saying that that, that was like really common, uh, where where she was from to kind of go and to live with her, yeah. an auntie who looked after yeah. you like like a mum. So you've got that yes experience as well. I've got that experience. I lived with my sister. And uh, that's where I learned how to cook and how to take care of the the chores, you know, yeah. at home as as a young boy. So were you a good kid? <laughs> were, you good at, were you good at school? Were you a good boy or a naughty boy? <laughs> I wish I was very good. But, you know, uh, uh, my mom used to say I was a good boy. Yeah. And that has stuck with me all these many years. And uh, that really helped me to have a very healthy uh self-esteem right even though i discovered that even though she said i was a good boy i found out now i was i wasn't as good as i thought i was <laughs> oh, right, <okay. laughs> you want to share anything yeah because when i went to see live with my sister that's that's when i was confronted with this young man Thank you so much for listening to this week's episode of The Bridge Podcast. If you've got comments, suggestions or questions for us, please feel free to send them in to podcast at bridgechapel.co.uk and we'll respond to all those emails and try and incorporate any suggestions into future shows. To get as many people as possible to hear this podcast, if you like and subscribe to it on your podcast provider, that'll really help. So thanks again. Hope you enjoyed this episode and look forward to you joining us next week on The Bridge Podcast. <laughs>